Hello and welcome to another teaching by 119 Ministries. Our ministry teaches that the whole Bible is true and applicable for our lives today. If you would like to know more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. This series by 119 Ministries is completely dedicated to examining some of the most challenging issues related to Yahweh's calendar. It proceeds with the assumption that you already recognize that the whole Bible is true and applicable to all believers today. The goal of this series is not to suggest that we have everything figured out regarding this subject. In fact, we know that we do not, and we're not going to pretend that we do. The reality is, is that we may understand nothing, for whatever it is worth, we are simply sharing our studies on these matters, which of course could change at any time after further study. In fact, after some time passes, we may find that we're not happy with our own results and even change our position after further ongoing study. This series will force us to take a position in a sea of controversy. This means that by default, not everyone will be happy with the results or conclusions of this teaching. Many may be disappointed or perhaps even angry that we did not come to the same conclusions as them. At minimum, we hope our presentation at least offers understanding as to why we currently believe what we believe. At best, we hope that this teaching offers you clarity, resolve, and understanding when it comes to our Creator's calendar. We ask that you continue to test everything according to the Word of God, including this teaching, and hopefully, as is our intent, we simply offer clarity and insight on this topic instead of more confusion. If you would like to learn more on what we believe and teach, we encourage you to visit us at testeverything.net. We pray that this teaching series blesses you. In part one of this series, we covered foundational material. We learned that in the beginning, night came first, and then day. We also learned how that the physical concept also relates back to the spiritual realm. We were born into darkness, and we come into the light when we come into the Word of God. So the physical reality is darkness first, and then light. The same is true for our own spiritual reality, first darkness, and then light. We also discovered how a day does not become a new day, like a flip of a switch. A new day begins as the previous day ends. 
This transition occurs as the sun begins to set. When the sun is setting, the day is ending, and the next day is also beginning. For a time, two days are blending or mixing together. Once it is completely dark, meaning no light from the sun, the previous day has fully ended and the new day has fully arrived. We would expect that what was established in the beginning to present itself as valid in the rest of Scripture. The subsequent parts of this series will do just that. We will now begin to test the expectation that darkness is first and then light as it relates to a full 24-hour period. The Exodus The Exodus includes the first documented Passover and is one of the most enlightening examples of when a Hebraic 24-hour period starts. We see that the Passover is sacrificed during the portion of the 14th day of the first month. Israel then eats of the Passover that night, which is defined as the 15th day of the first month. Israel leaves Egypt the same night, still being the 15th day of the month. It needs to be noted that this is before morning even arrives. This would prove without a doubt that the order established in the beginning in Genesis 1 is still being followed in the time of the Exodus. If a Hebraic 24-hour period was a day first and then night model, then the Israelites would have left the night of the 14th, not the 15th, because according to the day first then night model, the 15th day would not have arrived until morning. Yet we see that such does not happen. Let's examine all of this more closely. The Israelites kept the lamb until the 14th day of the month. Exodus chapter 12. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, or between the evenings. The lamb was sacrificed at twilight, or more specifically between the evenings about 3 p.m., which is when our Messiah was slain. This would allow a few hours to prepare and cook the Passover by fire. The Passover was then eaten that night, Exodus 12.8. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. We are also told that it is a feast unto Yahweh, Exodus 12.14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. This feast in which the Passover lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herb are all eaten is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The eating of the Passover lamb cannot be its own feast. It cannot stand alone, as there are only three feasts. There are only three feasts, not four feasts. Exodus 23. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread as I commanded you. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest, Shavuot, 
of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering, Sukkot, at the end of the year, when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before Yahweh God. And Second Chronicles 8. As the duty of each day required, offering according to the commandment of Moses for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the three annual feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths, Unleavened Bread, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Now we just read in Exodus 12 that the eating of the Passover lamb, bitter herb, and unleavened bread is a feast of Yahweh. In Exodus 23 and 2 Chronicles 8, we just read that there are only three feasts, meaning this, the Passover lamb, bitter herb, and unleavened bread is one of those feasts that includes the eating of the Passover lamb. We know that the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, occurs about seven weeks after the week of unleavened bread. And the Feast of Booths, or Sukkot, occurs about six months after the week of unleavened bread. This, of course, simply leaves us with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Thus, what is typically called the Passover meal, or Passover Seder by tradition, is actually the biblical day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We cannot have four biblical feasts being the Passover Seder, Unleavened Bread, Shavuot, and Sukkot, because the Bible says that there are only three annual feasts. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is when the Passover lamb bitter herb, and of course, unleavened bread, are to be eaten. So when is the Passover Seder, or more biblically accurate, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, to be eaten? Answer, on the 15th day of the first Hebraic month, Leviticus 23. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to Yahweh. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. This also agrees with Exodus 12. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. This is why the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover meal are stated to be the same day, the same feast. Mark 14, verse 1. It was now two days before Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priest and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. If the Passover feast was eaten on the 14th and another feast was on the 15th day of the month as unleavened bread, that would create four feasts and violate Exodus 23 verses 14 through 17 and 2 Chronicles chapter 8 verse 13, which state there are only three feasts unto Yahweh. The day that Israel is brought out of Egypt was at night. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Observe the month of Aviv and keep the Passover to Yahweh your God. For in the month of Aviv, Yahweh your God brought you out of Egypt by night. In Numbers 33 verse 3, they set out from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month. On the day after the Passover, the people of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. Israel observed the Passover or killed the Passover on the 14th day, during the day around 3 p.m. as commanded. The Passover is when the Passover lamb was to be slain. Exodus 12, verses 5 through 6. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. 
You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, or between the evenings. Leviticus 23, verse 5. And the first month on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight is Yahweh's Passover. The Passover is on the fourteenth day, being the time that the Passover was killed. Numbers 33, verse 3, declares that Israel left the day after the Passover, which would mean that they left on the 15th day of the month. Numbers 33, verse 3. They set out from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month, on the day after the Passover, when it was slain. The people of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of all of the Egyptians. And of course, that was the night of the 15th. Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to Yahweh your God. For in the month of Abib, Yahweh your God brought you out of Egypt by night. In summary, here is the order of events. Number 1. Israel identifies a lamb on the tenth day of the month. Number 2. Israel sacrifices the Passover lamb at 3 p.m. on the fourteenth day. This is called the day of the Passover. Number three, Israel eats of the Passover lamb that night. Number four, Israel eats in haste, belts fastened, with the sandals on their feet, and staffs in their hand, so they are ready to go at a moment's notice that same night. Number five, eating the Passover lamb that night is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and is declared to be the day that Yahweh brought Israel out of Egypt. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is declared to be on the 15th day of the month. Notice that morning has not yet occurred. Number six. In the middle of the night, Yahweh struck down the firstborn of Egypt. Number seven. Pharaoh and all the Egyptians woke in the middle of that same night. Number eight. Moses and Aaron were summoned to see Pharaoh in the middle of that same night and tells Israel to leave. Number nine, the Egyptians were urgent and told Israel to leave in haste that same night, the 15th day of the month. Notice in all of this, and this is important, we went from the 14th day in which the Passover was sacrificed to the 15th day before morning even occurred. Thus the 24-hour Hebraic day does not and cannot start in the morning. A morning then evening Hebraic day model is not compatible with the events outlined in the Exodus. The Passover is eaten on the 15th day of the month, which was defined as the night following the killing of the Passover on the 14th. Israel left that same night. A morning then evening Hebraic model forces the eating of the Passover on the 14th day of the month, as the night following the killing of the Passover lamb is then considered to be the same day. This would also mean that Israel eating in haste, with belts fastened, sandals on their feet, and staffs in their hand, was all for nothing if they were leaving over 24 hours later instead of the same night that they ate of the Passover. Objections Despite the conflicts that would occur in a morning-then-evening model, there still are a few objections that need to be addressed. Israel is supposed to stay in their dwellings until morning. How, then, could Israel have left that same night. We know that Moses and Aaron certainly did not stay in their homes. Exodus 12, verse 31. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, 
up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve Yahweh as you have said. So why could Moses and Aaron leave? Did Moses and Aaron break a commandment from Yahweh? No, of course not. The answer is in Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 22. Everything previous to verse 21 is Yahweh speaking commandments to Israel. Everything after verse 21 is Moses speaking. Yahweh never stated to Moses to tell Israel to stay in their houses until morning. Yahweh told Moses that Yahweh will pass over houses marked in blood sometime during the night. Since Moses had no idea exactly what time this would occur, it was just common sense to instruct Israel to stay in their houses until morning. Obviously, though, once all firstborn had died, or a house was passed over from death, it was then safe to leave the house, as Moses and Aaron did when they went to go see Ramses. This is why we do not see such a commandment repeated in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, or Numbers. The instruction to Israel to not leave the house till morning was from Moses, not Yahweh, and simply based on common sense. Israel was to burn anything left over in the morning. If they left that night, how could they have accomplished that? Israel is also commanded to not have anything left over and to eat in haste. Should they have had anything left over, it could have been brought with them during the Exodus and burned in the morning. Exodus 12, verses 31 through 36, implies that they plundered the Egyptians after the firstborn had died. How would that have occurred that night? All of Egypt was already awake. All of Egypt wanted to send out Israel in haste, meaning immediately, get out of here, not 24 hours later. Yahweh prepared Israel in advance to leave in haste. This would have all occurred that night. Leviticus 23 verses 5 through 6 does not say that the Passover meal must be eaten on the 15th. As we already covered, there are only three feasts according to the Tanakh. Unleavened bread on the 15th day of the first month, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Passover is referred to as a feast. Mark 14, verse 1, also declares the timing of the eating of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread to be on the same day. Luke 22, verse 1, states that the Feast of Unleavened Bread is called the Passover. The reason is that the Passover lamb becomes a feast. And since there are only three listed feasts, the only feast that makes sense is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is stated to be on the 15th of the first month. Thus, the eating of the Passover is on the 15th, thus we create four feasts instead of three. The 14th is when the Passover is slain. The 15th is when the Passover meal occurred. Leviticus 23 verse 5 is noting the timing of the Passover sacrifice as between the evenings, which agrees verbatim with Exodus 12 verse 6. In conclusion, it is impossible for a morning-then-evening model to be reconciled with the events of the Exodus. The only model that does work is the evening-then-morning, which also agrees with Genesis chapter 1. Yom Kippur, Leviticus 23, verse 27. Now on the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourselves and present yourself a food offering to Yahweh. When does the tenth day begin? 
according to Yahweh, on the morning of the tenth or the evening of the ninth. Leviticus 23:32. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourselves. On the ninth day of the month, beginning at evening, from evening to evening, shall you keep your Sabbath. So why does it state that Yom Kippur is on the tenth day in verse 27? But in verse 32, it says that Yom Kippur starts on the evening of the ninth. How confusing is that? Remember what we already learned. Days blend together in the evening. In the evening of the ninth, the tenth day is beginning just as the ninth day is ending. It's not a flip of the switch. It's Hebraic thinking, not Greek thinking. This actually proves that a day is evening to evening, or at least a full 24-hour period day. And this demonstrates the biblical concept that days blend or mix together in the evening. Nehemiah 13. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave the orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath as I stationed some of my servants at the gates, that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. As we just illustrated earlier with Yom Kippur, the Sabbath begins when it is dark, when the sun is set. Began to be dark is the time when the sun is just beginning to set, just before the Sabbath, as Nehemiah just said. The gates were closed just before the Sabbath commenced. The phrase began to be dark before the Sabbath clearly indicates that the Sabbath began when it was dark. Began to be dark means the darkness was imminent. Darkness followed not later, but immediately. Before the Sabbath means the Sabbath was also imminent. The Sabbath followed not later, but immediately. Nehemiah was interested in no load being brought in on the Sabbath day. His problem was not with merchants coming before the Sabbath day. If the Sabbath began in the morning, then why would he have forced the merchants to be outside the gates at night if the issue was about carrying a load on the Sabbath? If the Sabbath was actually beginning in the morning, then it could not be interpreted that the merchants were carrying a load on the Sabbath. Not only that, but why did he force them to sleep outside the wall if it was not the Sabbath yet for another 12 hours? If the Sabbath starts in the morning, why would Nehemiah close the gates for 36 hours starting at evening? Some state that it was common practice to shut the gates in the evening. If that is true, and it is such common practice, then why did the merchants not understand that they should get there before dark? And if closing the gates at night was common practice, then how were the merchants carrying a load before? It simply does not make any sense for Nehemiah to do what he did under the pretense of not carrying a load on the Sabbath if the Sabbath did not even start for another 12 hours, meaning in the morning. This concludes some of the top verses in the Tanakh that supports an evening-to-an-evening -evening model. The next part in this series will examine scripture from the Brit Hadashah, as well as objections to the evening-to-evening -evening model. We hope that this teaching has blessed you, and remember, continue to test everything. Shalom.
It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.